Hey, Business Building Warrior, this is Jim with another episode of Silent Sales Machine Radio. Today, I've got a guest who's a very new member in our community. She's only a few weeks in to her Amazon business building journey, but we have a very transparent conversation about how it's going. Yes, she is finding multiple profitable products. We talk about how she's doing it. She's a huge fan of the Proven Amazon course, but we also talk very openly and transparently about the challenges she's seeing some of the questions. If you've been around a while, you'll you'll know the answer to many of the questions. But I try to go in deep and explain the different challenges that she's facing, the reality of it, the, the worst case scenarios, the most likely scenarios, the best case scenarios for the different things that she's running into. And I think it's time well spent. Maybe just to refresh, if you've been around a while, a fan of this show, refreshing you on some of the basics and remembering just how far you've come as a seller And also, there are some things. I learned some new things today. I love the questions that new sellers ask because quite often it challenges the uh, preconceived notions that we have, those of us who've been around a while. We think, oh yeah, I know all there is to know on that subject, but I learned something new on a pretty basic skill today. (laughs) And it's going to change the way I look at some of the tools that we use for sure based on her experience. We talk a lot about uh, the basic tools that she is using on that note of tools, Keepa, RevSeller, Inventory Lab, Be Cool. We're going to put links to all of that in the show notes. So as you hear us talking about these tools or maybe referencing older podcast episodes, we'll stick links to all of that for you conveniently. If you're watching on YouTube, look in the description of this video. If you're listening on your favorite podcast app in the show notes for today's episode, there's links to all of that. So you can jump in and, and take advantage of those resources. There's not much more of an introduction needed today besides I am just so impressed with this young lady today. She's a newly single mom. She's carved out several hours per day. She's going all in. She's making this work. And like I said, she's having some initial success. She's finding profitable replens, which as a reminder, that is the system where we've determined 99% of all new Amazon sellers should start with replens. And if you've never heard me talk about it before, maybe I can squeeze in a little introduction of what a replen is. Those are the underserved listings on Amazon, meaning there's a lot of people buying the product. Maybe there's a few sellers selling it, but it's very profitable for the sellers who are selling it. And you can squeeze in alongside those other sellers, sell it for a profit yourself and help serve that listing, help Amazon serve their buying customers by hopping on listings that are underserved. We call those replens, easily sourced products from retail stores near you or maybe online sources. You buy them full retail price the vast majority of the time. And because of the convenience that Amazon sellers expect from the Amazon platform, they're willing to pay more than retail in many, many cases. Millions of listings are this way. We teach you to find them, sell against those listings, and build a beautiful business, in many cases, completely hands-free. But again, today, our guest, Amanda Wicks, is very new. She's only a few weeks in. She's seeing some momentum, and we're going to talk through all of this together, hopefully encourage you, enlighten you, and send you on your way with some new skills today. So if you happen to be or know a single mom, we really do everything we can to take care of single moms. We see you as cultural heroes. It's not an easy journey that you're on. There's many challenges life can throw at you, of course. But man, I call them the superheroes of our community. 
those single moms who are figuring out how to provide for their kids. We talk a little bit about that today too. And we're in your corner. We're here to help you. Let us know how we can help you out. Enjoy this episode. Let's go meet Amanda. So Amanda, welcome to the program. Hi. <laughs> Great to meet you. So you've only been in a community a very short time, but yeah. I think this is going to be a great call. Let's get into your story. Tell me your story. So I am a newly single mother and I've been trying to find, I didn't want a nine to five job. I wanted to stay home with my kid. So I actually own an Etsy shop. And then through that, I was trying to find other ways to bring in more income and started watching YouTube videos and actually got into selling on Amazon through selling books. I would go to thrift stores and scout out books and resell them. And then one of my friends was telling me about your guys' course, the Proven Amazon course. And I got that and then I got hooked on it. <laughs> and I like researched so much in like two days. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, good. Tell your friend we said thank you. <laughs> I will. Yeah. Are they in Proven Amazon course as well? I listen to the yes, podcast. Yeah. Or, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yes. I told that's him our... I was going to be on here and he got jealous. <laughs> oh, that's well. Tell him to give me a, give me a call and reach out and get him on here too. We love telling all levels of seller success stories and even newbie stories getting started. Yeah, have them reach out. But I will. Uh, yeah, that's our only marketing really is word of mouth. I mean, we we do no paid marketing. So we always appreciate when people share what's yeah. working with their friends. Okay, yeah. so here you are a few weeks in. You, let's talk about the books first and then we'll get into the rest of your journey. Like, how did that go? What's the reality of that model? And are you still doing it? Yes, I still do it. I really like it just because books are kind of my expertise and it's my comfort zone. But it is a very time consuming going to their store and I have to scan through hundreds of books to find probably like 10 to 15 that I can sell. But it's it's fun for me. <laughs> are you doing those FBA or are you yes. merchant fulfilling? You are doing No, FBA. I do all of it FBA. Yeah. How long have you been doing that model? Five weeks now. The books? Just five weeks? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're fairly new to it. One yeah. of the things I can tell you about that model, and a couple of years ago, Amanda, we had a different take on books, maybe more like three or four years ago, because Facebook gave you a whole lot more storage pay space for a lot less money than they charge now. So it made sense to send in books. And one of the things you're probably noticing is even the, the good books that are, you know, got a good price and maybe a decent rank and all that, they still can end up sitting there for quite a while before they sell. Yeah. So yeah. it starts to be at scale, it starts to be pretty difficult to scale the books model unless you're shipping them to customers yourself as they sell. Like you've got an extra room in your house and that's where you store your inventory, almost the eBay model. Yeah. Right. Yep. But if you take up all of your storage space at Amazon with books, it's going to, unless you treat your books like a replan, which might be a nice segment in, you know, if you, if you find books that, sell several times a month and you get a handful of them and you know they're moving they don't sit there longer than let's say 60 days ever well yeah okay you're good uh, but if you get books that are sitting there three five seven months and you know they're going to start getting those those fees that's where we've gotten new sellers a little away from books now i would say if you've got a skill set there and that's your interest no reason to abandon it if it's profitable but consider shipping them yourself does that make sense yep that makes sense that's good to know yeah, we've shifted a little bit. About four years ago, we loved starting new sellers with books. Uh, <laughs> That's now, what 
Not the FBA YouTube. so much. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah. The yeah. YouTube guy that I was following, um, that's what he started saying that like he wished he got out of books a lot sooner and right. started doing your guys's the Replon um, course. And that's kind of what sparked my interest into, okay, I kind of need to move out of this and find a, something that will be sustainable. Yeah, good word. It, it really is. It's, it's sustainable. It's systemizable. It's yeah. automatable. I mean, you can build a team and step back and kind of watch your numbers. A single busy mom, yeah, you don't have sixty hours a week to put into this thing, right? So, mm -hmm. is this is is you have a uh, job as well? I'm guessing at this point. No, no, this is I'm doing this as my full time thing. You're going all in. Yeah. I, wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a little pressure for you, mom. How you how you hold them up? It's hard. It's scary, yeah. but I'm kind of using it as like. And my advantage is that I have six hours during the day without a kid that mm -hmm. I can just go and find as many replons or ASINs that I can find and yeah. just scale up pretty fast, I'm hoping. Yeah, we'll do everything we can to get you there. I can tell you, you know, I can tell you this, and as a guy who teaches a lot of people how to launch and grow businesses online, using the internet creatively, I've been doing this for 20 years. You do see those people that take off so fast that it becomes a full-time gig and full-time income for them relatively quickly. But you also see other people that take some time. So I just yeah. want to be cautious and realistic that these are slow turning wheels. Your trajectory matters more to me than your results you're getting week two, week four, week six. Are you making progress in the right direction? In other words, that matters way more to me. But if you got bills to pay and, and you know a, a limited amount of funds to work with, you want to be realistic as well. So I always want to give people caution. You know, the, I say the same thing to people when they're considering quitting a full-time job. Like, oh, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to do this full-time. I'm like, whoa, have you have you talked this over? Have you thought this through? Have you, you know, let, let's... I'm more the slow and steady wins the race kind of guy. So just throwing that out there. And I don't know how deep you want to get into those weeds. Happy to do it if you want to. But just as a word of caution for you or others who might hear this, that uh, yeah. while this can be a beautiful, stable model, it can take some time, more than weeks sometimes. Yeah. Well, but we can go wherever you want to go. It's your story. Oh, <laughs> um, I don't know. So how much time have you put into finding replans and how's that going so far? Let's talk about that maybe. So I put in, I started this, like I started actively doing it about two weeks ago. The first week was like, I put in a lot of time, went to a lot of, like went to Walmart, went to Target. But then I figured I got really like stressed out doing in the store. So I would come home and just research it all on the internet. And I found, I think I have 11 the first week. And then this week, unfortunately, I got COVID. So I've been kind of out of it. Oh, no. So you're sick right now? Yeah. I'm recovering. I'm on the Rowan? recovery end of it. <laughs> oh, poor thing. I'm yeah. sorry. Well, thanks for powering through and doing this with us today. Appreciate that. Oh, I'm, I'm excited. I like it. Yeah. Well, I couldn't tell from talking to you so far. You look like you're on the mend. So that's good. Appreciate you doing this, <laughs> yeah. though. So... You've gone to a few stores. You mentioned some some big um, name retail stores and you had some success there. Yeah. So when you come home and research, were you taking pictures of store shelves or were you just searching online? Uh, no, I, I kind of was just searching online. I knew walking into Walmart, I kind of wanted to stay in like the 
I liked the bakery area and then the beauty, health and beauty area. I found a few in store that I liked. So then that gave me a like an avenue to do go down when I researched everything online. Gotcha. And you, so you found how many replants so far? 11. 11 so far? Well, good yeah. job. We're a couple of weeks in. What Thanks. we like to see is once you kind of understand the system, 30 replants in 30 days is a decent goal. One a day. That's what um that is my goal. <laughs> is <laughs> it? To go there. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of teach we kind of teach that. So have you sent some of them in now? Yes, I have. Yep. Seen I any sold, sales yet? Yeah, I sold out of one. I sent six of one in and I sold out of it like three days ago completely. I sold like seven of them or six of them in that one day. Nice. And yeah. what were your what's your price point and margins on that one? I think that one was it's Forget, honestly, <laughs> uh, just round um, ballparks fine. Uh, it's probably I'm averaging around like a 60 ROI around it, I think is what it was. Yeah, 60% ROI. Yeah, You're, what tool are you using to help you calculate? So, I have Keepa, I have Rev Seller, I Very have good. Inventory Labs, I also have BQ. <laughs> I got that <laughs> for the repricing. Yes, for the repricing. Yeah. Yeah. Be cool. They pronounce it. I pronounced it be cool forever. (laughs) All these new tools and all this new terminology, you're doing a great job for someone who's only been in it for a short period of time. Thank you. You know, a repricer, maybe a tad premature on that. Yeah. Because unless you're spending a lot of time repricing every day, it's not quite necessary, but that could come within the next, you know, at the pace you're going, the next few weeks or so. But it's I'm, helped a lot with my books. Like it's made them kind of fly off the, sh- the shelves. Ah, great yeah. point. Way to teach the teacher. I appreciate that. Okay, so talk me through that a little bit. Have you, you got some books that have been sitting there a while and, and bumping them around at the reprice or helped them move, huh? Well, yeah, I like I said, I've only been doing it for five weeks. So mm-hmm. you know they haven't had that much time to sit. But I did notice once I got the Be be Cool and my sales started going a lot faster and I started selling the books a lot faster. Um, Just because like, I don't know, I am really so new. I don't know what the good price is and what a good price is in. And I'm still learning a lot. I just kind of wanted to send that over there. Yeah, that's tremendous. Yeah. Well done. Okay. Let me talk the (laughs) listeners through the tools here. And I may teach you something you don't know already, Amanda, as I talk over the the tools that you've got, but you mentioned Keepa. Mm -hmm. I'll start there. And for those who don't know what that is, go listen to podcast episode 369. Have you heard that episode yet, Amanda, about Keepa? Okay. Very convincing, isn't it? I make a pretty solid argument. And a lot of people, that's the only tool they need. That's it. it. And they've built seven figure businesses with just that tool using the proven Amazon course training. Mm-hmm. Now, the tools that make your life a little easier, and I even like the order that you mentioned them in because it's kind of the order that I would suggest. Rev Seller is next. We've got a great exclusive relationship with those guys. ProvenAmazonCourse.com slash Rev Seller, R-E-V, Rev Seller. That is a tool that puts right on the screen, as you know, Amanda, kind of t- talking to the listener for a moment, but it puts right on the screen your ROI, so if you're looking at a product on amazon.com, like you're shopping and it says, hey, this product sells every day for 50 bucks. You're like, okay, well, I can source it for 20. How profitable is it really after all fees and 
everything. It, it tells you right on the screen, ref seller breaks the numbers down for you. Very helpful tool. Inventory lab, of course, helping you prep your shipments and track your numbers, give you your true net profit margin. A lot of helpful things going on with that tool. Very, very friendly for replin sellers. And then Be Cool, you mentioned as your repricer. We've got a great relationship with those guys as well. Great sponsor of this show, actually. And that's the, that's the repricer I happen to use. Now, on our leadership team of 100 people, you're going to find about six different repricers that are kind of popular. And we could kind of have a debate at any given time, who likes what. And we've bounced around ourselves. But uh, yeah, Be Cool is a, is a really good group of guys running that. I know them well. And we'll stick a link to all that in the show notes for the listeners. But do you have any questions about any of those tools? You're, you're absorbing a lot of information really quickly. And I got to say, kudos to you. I'm very impressed. Um, it, maybe how... Talk us through your schedule a little bit. You said a single mom, newly yeah. single mom. I know that you know that comes with some stress. I have to imagine. <laughs> yes, there's a lot of. Stress. How are you fitting this into your life? How's that going so far? So my son is in school, so I kind of like send him off to school, and then I have, like I said, the six hours that he's gotcha. in school to mm-hmm. make the most of it. And I am kind of on like because this it, this is my full time thing. I'm treating it like a full-time job. And that means that whole six hours, I make sure I'm either researching, looking up uh, red plans or like sourcing in any way I can or packing it and shipping it off. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I kind of use all that as my advantage because I want to scale very fast. Yeah, well, good for you. And it definitely is possible. And you seem to have the determination and the, the mindset to make it happen. And if our community can help you and serve you in any way, I don't know if you've heard the other episodes where I've had single moms on, but some of the biggest heroes in this community are single moms who have made it work. Have you have you seen my interviews, for example, with Honey Woods yet? Heard that Not name yet? Either, I don't think. No, what, no, what episode is that? Uh, we'll stick it in the show notes. I don't know oh. offhand, but okay. she's a single mom with several children. She's actually a leader in our community. She creates oh, wow. content and just does an awesome job. And she actually homeschools a large group of kids too. <laughs> so oh, wow, I think it's, awesome. I mean, I should know it's either five or six kids. I can't remember off the top of my head. I think it's six. <laughs> it's amazing, right? So draw the inspiration from some of the good people in our community. And there's several of them. Uh, we've had probably over the years, I'd say six or seven episodes with single moms That's that cool. are just have built incredible businesses. Now, this is the first time I've interviewed one who's kind of new to the journey because typically our show format has been success stories, people who are well into the journey, but we're spending some time with newer students lately by request of the audience, just talking (laughs) through their business, but it can be done. You know, so that it definitely can be done. And there's people doing it with arguably busier, more difficult schedules than what you have, although you're in a rough season. So no need to compare stories, but it is possible. And kudos to you again. So, um, well, any questions about any of the tools that you're using? Do we spend some well, time there? You feel like you're settling in? I did have a question about RevSeller versus yeah. like Keepa. With you know, when you search on Amazon and it the RevSeller pops up all the information and it says like it says like 160 drops, but then you scroll down on that listing and Keepa will say like 30 drops for mm-hmm. 30 days. Like, why is the rev seller different than the keeper? Well, let me back up and lay the foundation to answer that question before I answer it. Okay. Many tools in the Amazon seller universe 
integrate Keepa data into them for reasons that I go into back in podcast episode 369. Keepa is scraping data in ways that nobody else does. So a lot of tools make themselves look very impressive by integrating Keepa data into the tool. And RevSeller is impressive on its own, even without the Keepa data because of the things it does. But it also does integrate some Keepa data. And if I recall, when you're looking at RevSeller, you can set an option for a 30, 60, or 90-day view of the Rev of the uh, Keepa data. So you may be looking at 90 days worth of data instead of 30. So on Keepa, you're looking at 30 days worth of drops. On Rev, you may be looking at 90 days. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. And if that's not the case, if for some reason RevSeller is grabbing wrong data, I don't use that part of RevSeller anyway. Okay. I look at Keepa. <laughs> okay. Keepa is the tool. Go by what Keepa says. And Got as you it. go through the proven Amazon course training, you may have seen this, Amanda, but it's just a good reminder that if Keepa says that there are, say, 12 to 15 drops per month on any given ASIN, mm-hmm. rank changes. And for those who don't know what I'm talking about, please go listen to podcast episode 369. We talk you through it. But if it says 12 to 15 drops, that's pretty accurate, typically. Fairly accurate. Not all the time. Sometimes it's too low. Okay. But it's typically pretty accurate. If you get up over 15, 20, say you see 25, 30, 40 drops per month on Keepa, you can very safely triple or quadruple that number to get the actual number of sales per month of that ASIN. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah. Yep. Because if you if you think about it, keep us checking in every few hours or every several hours or once a day. There could have been multiple sales if something if it thinks something's rank changes once a day. Well, it could be changing multiple times, and keep it just only checks in once a day to report the change. Okay. Right. Whereas if there's only a few drops per month, keep is pretty likely to capture those checking in once or so a day or once yeah, every several hours. Sense. Make sense? Yep. So a lot of times, if you see a rank of anything over 25 or 30, it's like, okay, let's say it's 25. We know pretty safe. That thing could be selling up to a couple hundred or even 400 times a month with that level of rank, just as a tip. Okay. Yeah, very good. Sounds like you're settling in though to to using the tools and trusting the data and making good decisions. When you're looking at your history on Keepa, are you looking way back, like a year or so? Um, no, I've kind of just been doing the three months. Yeah, I I would encourage you look back a little further than that. You can see some interesting trends. The three month window tells you a lot. That one year window could tell you even more. It can tell you, is this thing a seasonal, for example? Is it like really spike right before Christmas and then die and spike (laughs) before Christmas and die? That's a seasonal. Okay. Uh, as far as the number of drops, you know, and actually when it, when it spikes, that means it's, it's, you're actually seeing the line kind of goes down because the rank is dropping. It's moving closer to being in that number one position. So you see the line kind of move down. And then you can tell a lot by looking at the number of sellers too. If uh, the number of sellers goes from 10 and then down to one and then up to 12 and then down to one and then up to three or four, and then it's one again for a while. That tells you, for example, that the brand owner doesn't like other sellers selling that product and they're aggressively trying to kick them off. And it's probably not with your time to mess with it because I'll try to kick you off too. Because okay. it's bouncing down to just one seller. Right? And these, these are all little lessons you're going to pick up in the training. You don't have to know yeah. all of these things to find great ASINs. You've <laughs> already found some just with the knowledge you have, but uh, they really are everywhere. 
Yeah. As you've experienced, just looking at, I love it. You just started with Target and Walmart. Yeah. Yep. Very good. Well, what are your other strategies you're going to use going forward? What other ideas do you have? Do you want to work on that a little bit? How are you going to find more replants? What's your plan? Continue um, doing what you're doing. Anything else you want to add into the mix? I don't really have that much yet. I haven't figured it out. <laughs> I'm still just trying to build up and build the more, find more. I had to, I found a few more, but then I realized they were hazmat and I realized you can't ship hazmat. And so then I had to take those back and not do those, which was a good learning lesson. Yeah. You're going to run into that. Yeah. You're going to hit a few brick walls and hazmat can be beautiful once you're approved for it. You could be shipping it in. You know, you have to use UPS uh, or USPS or UPS, I think can allow for, I think most of the time we're sending it uh, US postal for our hazmat. We do quite a bit of hazmat, but it, it is a trickier category to get into. It's harder to get approved initially, but you're kind of at the stage now where I think you're going to start finding yourself being able to get ungated in brands and you can get off the beaten path a little bit is one of the things I'd like to encourage you to do. Okay. For what I mean by that is if you have stores in your area, local stores that are maybe more regional, they're not all over the United States because Target and Walmart, yes, there are beautiful replans to be found there. But if it's fairly easy for other people to find it, the odds of someone coming in and or a wave of sellers coming in or that product ending up on some kind of buy list from somewhere, I've got this fly that's pestering me. Uh, <laughs> your odds go up of a buy list encounter where suddenly there's 30 sellers on this great replan you found. And that can be frustrating. Okay. And you, you're still, it, as long as you're finding new replans, this model works beautifully, but you just have to kind of be ready to be unemotionally attached to every replan because they'll come and they'll go. Sometimes they'll last a few weeks. Sometimes they'll last several months. You'll have replans. We have some that have been around for a few years. It's very profitable. Typically, those ones that stick around for several months or even years are the ones that are kind of off the beaten path, meaning it's a specialty store of some kind. You've gone into, say, an ethnic store and you've taken some pictures of the store shelves with the owner's permission. Tell them why you're there. Hey, I want to buy some stuff from you to sell on Amazon. I'm doing some product research. Can I take a few pictures? And we've only heard one encounter in this community where the owner said, no, I don't want you in here taking pictures. <laughs> like, okay. And you just <laughs> learn to take no and you move on. That's okay. Um, yep. But the vast majority of the time, they're perfectly fine to say, I'm looking for inventory. I want to buy it from you and maybe a case at a time even. And, and you know, so 12 units at a time or 15 units at a time. And can I take some pictures, do some research, maybe even take some pictures of your catalog and place some orders with you that way, which we've done. Now you go home and you're a little, you're a little off the beaten path of what others are seeing every day going through a Walmart or a Target or you know some of the other national change. But the thing I can tell you is regionally, even within the same city, you're going to see different products on the shelves at different Walmarts at different prices even. So there's a lot of room there for great products. And we've got a large list of Walmart replens that we source consistently. And Kroger, same way. Target, same way. There's some universally great replens that even have numerous sellers, but it's still a great replen. That's what I was um, thinking of. Like I know Trader Joe's is still pretty much pretty popular, but it's really popular here where I'm at. So I was mm-hmm. like, oh, well, I could source there too. So. Yeah. The thing with Trader Joe's is they are kind of the ultimate example of a retailer that does not like resellers. Oh. <laughs> but but I'm of the opinion, we don't have to go down the philosophical reasons why. If I buy something from somebody 
I don't care what their opinion is about me reselling it. I own it now. (laughs) And as long as I'm not selling it on a platform that doesn't allow me to sell it, like if Amazon had a rule that says, you can't sell hot sauce here. Well, I'm not going to go try to sell hot sauce on their platform. I'll sell it somewhere else. But Amazon doesn't have a rule against selling Trader Joe's products. Trader Joe has a rule about, I can't buy their stuff and sell it to someone else. Philosophically, I completely disagree with that rule. There's no moral authority there to tell me that once I own something, I can't sell it to somebody else. Now, if there's a law preventing me from doing it, I'm not going to break a law, obviously. There's no law against it. It's more of Trader Joe's opinion on the matter happens to be. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) imagine going to a yard sale and the person selling the stuff in their driveway has a sign that says, hey, it's okay to buy the things that you see here, but you better not sell them to somebody else later. Like, what? (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. No. So, So, you know, once you've figured that out, you know, there's no Trader Joe's conveniently located near me. If I'm a fan of Trader Joe hot sauce, I've got no option but to get online and find somebody who's gone in and spent some time, effort, energy, prepping, packaging, making sure it arrived to me safely on time. Yeah, that's worth a few bucks for sure yeah. to jump in. That's my <laughs> that's my thought process on that. But if you try to clear the shelf of 50 units of something, <laughs> they're gonna you might have a talk with a manager on your way out the door. It's like, uh, do you really like this or what's going on here? <laughs> uh, and, and I always encourage relationships. There's never any reason to be dishonest in this business. There's so many opportunities to provide value and build relationships and Straight up, um, tell people, yeah, I, I'm a reseller online. I would love to place some large orders, right? But with Trader Joe's, you may not get the friendliest response. Some of them I've heard are great. S- same with Target stores. Some are just yeah. great. I've talked to the owner, sorry, the manager at our Target store. Actually, here's a story for you. This is the Target, the one located nearest me, the one that we go to all the time. They had a huge rack of, it was the end, it was about now, it was about this time of year. We're coming up on fall and they were getting rid of a lot of their summer swimming stuff. And they had this huge wall of kids swim uh, life jackets, like the vest zip up life jackets. Yeah. And they were 70% off and they had maybe, I don't know, 40 or 50 of them. And I said to the manager, Hey, if I bought all of these, could you give me a discount? And the manager said, Are you a reseller? And I said, Yes. He said, We don't sell to resellers. No, the price is the price. And we don't like selling to resellers. Okay. <laughs> Came back the next day with my daughter. I don't know if that made a difference. This is several years ago. So she's, you know, little pumpkin in the front seat and of the of the cart, you know, as I'm pushing her along. And I'm standing there and a different manager is there. And I said, same exact question to the different manager. And I said, Hey, I notice these are all 70% off. If I clear this shelf for you guys, what can you do for me? And he said, How about an extra 10% off? I'd love to clear this right now. That'd be great. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> different manager, different day, different mood, same question, same scenario. Right? So sometimes we get, we, we overthink and we get intimidated and we think, oh, the system doesn't like me out here doing, and we sold them for a great profit, by the way. I mean, I bought them all and sold them all. Nice. Uh, yeah. But sometimes we get intimidated thinking, well, that store has a reputation for being, no, it's, it's the people at the store. You build yeah. a relationship, you're nice, you smile, you, you leave things better than you found them. You put your cart back. You know, you're, you're friendly with the re- people at the register. There's yeah. people I'll see at registers when I've, and I don't do so much retail shopping myself these days, but I used to, when I'd see certain people, I'd be like, Hey, what's your candy bar today? And they just know I'm going to buy them a candy bar every time I'm there. Oh. And I'm going to pay for it as part of what I'm doing. Check it. It's a business expense. I'm building relationships. I just throw it in the order with everything else, but I leave it for the 
you know, for the person at the register. And Aww. lo and behold, that person, you know, is there being very, very helpful next time I'm there, right? <laughs> Just that little gesture, because they're used to dealing with rude people all day. Yep. But you're the candy bar guy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Hey, we'll get back to the show in just a moment, but I'm excited to tell you about easily one of the top three most used Amazon seller tools in our community. I use it. My team uses it every day. The vast majority of the successful interviewed guests on this podcast use the tool. It's called Rev Seller, and they've got a special price just for this community. You can see the details of what the tool does and see the special offer at provenamazoncourse.com slash rev seller. I'll spell it R-E-V-S-E-L-L-E-R. Provenamazoncourse.com slash rev seller. It puts all kinds of useful information right on the screen, right on top of any listing on Amazon that helps you make a really fast, good decision on your inventory buys. You're going to love it. Go see what all it can do for you at provenamazoncourse.com slash rev seller. Let's get back to the show. And lo and behold, that person, you know, is there being very, very helpful next time I'm there, right? (laughs) Just that little gesture, because they're used to dealing with rude people all day. Yep. But you're the candy bar guy. (laughs) (laughs) Aw. Yeah. So hopefully that helps you. Is that sparking any thoughts or any anything else that you want to dive into uh, on on your story? It's not it's not Jim's story, Tom. I want to hear from you. It's just really encouraging. Like I don't like hiding like what I'm doing, especially at thrift stores when I was sourcing for books. Like uh, it's funny because I'll have like boxes full of books and I'm walking out and everybody will be like, "Are you like a school teacher or something?" And I'm like. I'm like, no. And they're like, do you just really like reading? I'm like, well, I do like reading, but no, I'm reselling all these. And they're like, oh, really? I'm like, yeah, I really enjoy it. It makes a profit and it, you know, supports me and my son. And typically when you bring the, it, I'm doing it full time and trying to support my kid, they're really nice about it and super sweet. I have had like one time where like uh, a thrift store uh, manager wasn't really happy with me. But then I, I kind of like was talking to him and I'm like, well, if you want, like we can do, uh, we can like come up with some kind of program or, or, or like solution where both of us could benefit from it. Like if you can hold, if you let me buy like all of these books, then I can give you, I forget what exactly we had come up with, but we did come up with the arrangement where he was benefiting from it too. And I was helping him move a lot of his books. So yeah, well, I I think one of the episodes that you might really enjoy listening to Amanda, if you haven't heard it yet, it's back in the early twenties of this podcast. It was, um, you know, we're in episode 500 something plus at this point, you go back to episode, I think it was like 24, 25, 26, somewhere in there. It's the ethics of buying low and selling high. And the reason that's an important lesson for us all to take to heart, I want to talk about the scenario you just gave me, but it's a very, it's a vital lesson because if we don't see the virtuous nature of the activity we're engaged in, we tend to self-sabotage and undermine what it is that we're doing. We're all familiar with self-sabotage. You know what I mean by that, right? Putting your keys somewhere where you won't find them the next day. And you're like, why did I do that? Like, what's, what am I thinking? I'm just setting myself up for failure. Why did I put the keys in the refrigerator? <laughs> what happened? Right, so those little things we do to kind of self-sabotage 
because we don't see how virtuous our activity is. So here's, uh, that's why I recorded that podcast episode. And let's go revisit the scenario where you're buying all these books. Yeah. You are doing that business a huge favor, just buying product at the price that they've already put on it. You owe them nothing else. You're doing them a huge favor. You're clearing inventory, the velocity of their inventory, clearing shelf space so other things can go there. They've put a price that they like. You know, that's the beauty of the free market. Yeah. So one of the things I like to say all the time is it's impossible to run a profitable business without dramatically and positively impacting the lives of countless others. It's impossible. So just a transaction at the agreed upon price with no other arrangements being made is a win, not just for you and the person selling you the item, but for countless other people on either side of that transaction. Mm-hmm. And understanding that is vital because now you're not just supporting your family, which is a beautiful thing. That's a very virtuous thing. It goes way beyond that. The people who, let's just take this bookshop where you're buying the books, right? They have to pay rent. Somebody owns that building. Someone took a risk and bought that building and now they're paying rent and taxes and they're trying to keep it going. That's how they support their family. They lease property. You've got the people who work at the electric plant whose families rely on people paying their electric bills. You know, you've got all the people that service and deliver to that business all the employees that work there, you're part of supporting all of that. And then you got the people buying the book and the experience they're going to have, reading it to their kid, adding to their collection. That's how we create value. Entrepreneurs create value. That's what we do on both sides of the transaction. So you sit down and really think impacting countless lives positively by just running a profitable business. And you've got to internalize that because if you don't, again, the downside is if you don't and you think, well, I'm just a terrible person turning $5 bills into $10 bills. I'm not doing anything for anybody. You're going to self-sabotage, burn out, and it's not going to work out long-term. Does that make sense? Yeah, that actually does make sense. And I've been struggling with that a little bit lately. So that's really helpful. Good. Go back and listen to that episode. I'd be very curious to hear what you think of it. And and, uh, I think I make a pretty compelling case. And it's not just me. The whole concept of free markets, which revolutionized the economies of, you lifted the world out of poverty, basically. Yeah. Free markets. It's that concept. It's people freely exchanging based on an honest system of, you know, hey, I give you this, you give me that. We both won. It's a biblical concept. Two winners. Every transaction has two winners in a free market. And then multiple winners on either side of those two winners. Beautiful thing when you start to understand that. So then you can be very excited and go in and you're not saying, hey, how can I give you part of the profits? You're saying, hey, can I get a discount? I'm clearing a bunch of shelf. I'm helping you out. And he's like, well, I can't do a discount today. But I'll tell you, if you hit 500 bucks next time, I'll I'll knock 10% off for you. Okay, we'll see you next time. You're building a relationship. That's what a transaction is. It's the start of a beautiful, mutually beneficial relationship. Well done. I'm doing too much talking though. Tell me some more of your story. And you're only a few weeks in. There's not a lot of this story to tell, but are there any other aspects of your business where I could be helpful or talk you through any of the challenges you're facing? I wrote notes. (laughs) Hey, let's Uh, go through them. Great. (laughs) Okay. So some of these questions may seem immature because I just don't know that much yet. But um, I was wondering, I ran into a couple of problems where Especially with like the school, when school started, there was a lot of school supply sales that I would buy. But then I realized that Amazon's listing 
like the picture, the title was the same, but the picture was different. Mm. And I was curious. I'm like, I don't, not like I didn't want to risk sending it in and then um, getting in trouble for the picture not being exactly what somebody ordered or, you know, the, the item not being exactly what the picture looked like. Yep. But I was wondering, is that a normal thing? Is mm-hmm. like, okay. That, that I'll is- talk you through it. I'll talk you okay. through it. There, there is a little thin gray area here, but most new sellers have the gray area in their mind way bigger than it needs to be on this exact topic. So the scenario okay. you're giving me is the picture looks a little different. The title's the same. I'm going to assume maybe even the barcode is the same if there's a barcode. Yeah. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of things common here, but man, it just looks a little different. Here's where you kind of have to use your best judgment and think to yourself, if I'm the buying customer, am I going to complain? Okay. And the more cautious you want to be, you think, okay, if I'm 50 buying customers, how likely is it that one or two of those people might complain? Having seen this picture and then received this product, is it going to generate a complaint? And a good tip is look down in the feedback that that listing has received. If you have a whole bunch of people saying, hey, this thing's supposed to be red, according to the picture, and it showed up green, this is not the same product. If you've got unhappy customers, that's what gets Amazon paying attention to that listing and saying, nope, can't do it anymore. Your worst case scenario is 99% of the time, this is true. Your worst case scenario is Amazon says, hey, this product doesn't match the listing anymore. We're shutting down this ASIN. We're sending you back your product. That's the worst case. So as a replin seller, if you've only got a few at a time that you're in there, that's the model, right? A few at a time. Yeah. No big deal. Flip them on eBay, flip them on Facebook Marketplace, right? Pass them out to the neighborhood kids for Christmas, right? (laughs) So that's the reality of it. But if you run it through that filter of, you know, because one of the things that we'll see a lot, we do this a lot. Like, let's say we've got a 60 ounce cleaning product and same barcode, same cleaning product, same number of ounces, exact same ingredients, except the, it used to be a, let's say a bright blue bottle. And now it's kind of a dark blue bottle and the, and the writing's just a little different on the logo. Yeah. Yeah. We'll sell it anyway until someone tells us we can't. That's us. Some people would say, oh, no, no, no. Super cautious, identical, exact match only. But it's a risk worth taking from my vantage point, Uh, especially it makes us a little more exclusive of a seller on that ASIN sometimes because people go, oh, well, the bottle's changed. We're not going to sell it anymore. Well, we dig a little deeper, go, okay, same barcode, same ingredients, same product. What reasonable customer would actually ever complain about the logo tilting a little to the right and the fonts <laughs> changed? Like, I don't think a customer is going to complain about that. No. And no. here we are a few years into selling some products just like that and, and people typically don't complain. But if it generates a few customer complaints, then it's time to pull the trigger and, and okay. you know, bail on that one. Does that help? Yes, that helps a lot. So there is a gray area there, but it's a thin gray area. It's not this wide, scary gray area that a lot of new sellers tend to imagine it is. I also had my first uh, policy violation, but it was for, it was for pricing. It said that they sent me a message saying that my pricing was too high and they removed my, my product from the listing um, unless I lowered my pricing. But like there was like FBA on there that were higher than even my pricing. So I was really like confused about that. Is that normal? <laughs> yes. Amazon as a company is unfortunately very confused about 
price policy. It, it, the confusion is built into the algorithm. <laughs> Let's say it that way. If you wanted to see some craziness, back at the beginning of COVID, for example, you could find tens of thousands of listings where what I'm about to say was true. Here's Amazon at high price X, let's say 20 bucks. Here's the next highest seller selling the exact same product for say $15, getting price alert warnings saying that they're selling it for too much, (laughs) right? And then here's other sellers selling it at a loss and they're fine. But Amazon is selling it every day for 20 bucks. And it was, it's because they're very, you think about Amazon from Amazon's perspective for just a moment. And there's going, you know, there's going to be mistakes in the system. And I'll tell you what to do about it in a moment. But a lot of times they will hold us to impossible standards as third-party sellers. And the only thing you can do is bump down into whatever it is they're asking you to do and start to bump yourself up. But Amazon is very cautious about being perceived as a platform where that you can go get a deal. They're even running TV commercials that I've seen. Like, hey, Amazon's where you go to get a great deal, get a steal, you know, get a get the best price. So if there's hard to find, they don't like the law of supply and demand kicking in when a product's a little harder to find and there's only a few sellers selling it and the price starts to creep up. Amazon can sometimes get in there and get a little grumpy. It's not a frequent enough problem that it causes major issues. Because you just drop your price down and then slowly lower it over time. And if you can't sell it at a profitable margin, it's no longer a good replan. One of the examples I like to give Amanda is, let's say there's a three pack of green beans and you can get them for a dollar each. So $3 at Walmart. Well, for Amazon to sell those same three pack of green beans on their website for $3, it costs a lot more money for them to, to ship it, store it, ship it to a customer, right? Deliver to your porch. Like it takes a lot of money. So Amazon may use that as a loss leader for a while and deliver those three cans of green beans for $3, just like Walmart. And when I say loss leader, I mean, they get people in the front door, right? Do you know what I mean by a loss leader? No. Have you heard that phrase? So every grocery store does this. This is good for you to understand as a seller. Every grocery store you'll ever go into has loss leaders. And those are products that they sell intentionally at a loss just to get people in the door. Okay. That makes sense? A loss leader. It leads yeah. people through the store to the back. You know, the milk is typically sold break even. So you yeah. go all the way through the store to the back to get that stuff that's being sold at break even, very competitively priced. But then you got to make your way all the way back through the store and you're grabbing the Twinkies and the Ho-Hos and the chips <laughs> and the, right? I mean, where they're making their money now. Yeah. So that's, Amazon does the same thing. There's a lot of products that are very competitively priced that Amazon has gone out and bought 10,000 units of it. But after a while, Amazon sometimes will grow tired of selling that product at a loss and the the third-party sellers kind of come in and we're saying hey that that three pack yeah i can go buy this for three bucks at walmart but that price is going to creep up to nine twelve fifteen bucks on that three pack and out of convenience many buyers continue to buy it they're not price shopping they're not comparing they're not clipping coupons they're saying i gotta make a green bean casserole in two hours there's the beans 12 bucks i don't care i don't have time to go to walmart send them to my front porch right now, Amazon. And that's a third-party seller who stepped in. That's the role we play is once Amazon's done treating it like it's a loss leader, the third-party sellers can step in at a profit and continue to meet the demand on that ASIN. If customers don't want to pay that amount of money, well, the ASIN dies. Or if Amazon says, whoa, 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 you can't charge more than $3 for these three cans of green beans, the ASIN dies then too, because nobody can afford 
drive to Walmart as a reseller, buy three cans of green beans, bring it home, pack it up, send it in the warehouse, pay all the Amazon fees and make a profit for three bucks. So that ASIN dies unless Amazon's willing to sell it. Okay. So the customers and the demand, that's economics 101. Supply and demand sets the price. So as long as Amazon stays out of the way, supply and demand sets the price. Sometimes Amazon inserts itself. And on that particular listing that you're talking about, they inserted themselves and said, hey, here's the price cap on this. Nothing higher than this. Sometimes they mean it quite often they don't. Meaning if you drop onto that line and then slowly creep back over that line, they're going to be just fine with it. It's all algorithm based. And if Amazon really comes down hard on one and says, hey, no, you can't sell this at a profit, you stop selling it. It's that simple. Okay. Yeah. Does that help? Yes, a lot. (laughs) I give long explanations. It's because I'm trying to talk through every possible eventuality. So when you go back and listen to this or someone else is listening to it, hopefully I'm covering a lot of bases because I could have just said, hey, drop your price, raise it again, you'll be fine. But I I wanted to go into more why that happens and how it's kind of built into the system. Uh, It's almost an unavoidable thing. It, but it, the way that you explain it gives a lot of comfortability to the situation because then I can understand what's actually happening, not just what I need to do to fix it. Yeah. And something that explains a lot of what Amazon does and the why they do things the yeah. way they do is because they are not a reseller focused company. If they yeah. were, I can tell you this, they'd go out of business very fast. <laughs> They're just <laughs> not. It's kind of like the businesses that struggle when they give the union everything at once. Like you yep. can't make a viable product anymore, right? There's no margin left to to pay attention to the customers who are actually paying the bills. Amazon's the same way. They want happy prime subscribers using their service, feeling like they're getting a good deal, fast delivery, you know, good products, good selection, great prices. And we're a part of that. And to the to the degree that us as third party sellers help make that possible, yeah, they love us. And we make up a good 50, 60% of everything they're selling every day on their site. They need us. They know they do. But they don't need any one of us who chooses to, you know, break the rules or, you know, <laughs> but they need us as a group. They certainly do. So, you know, it's a balancing act on their part for sure. But it's been working beautifully for 12 years. And I think the future is extremely bright. I think it's the best e-commerce work from home, stable, build a real business opportunity on the entire landscape, which is why we talk about it so much. And that's why we have all these success stories. And you're going to be our next one. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So what else do you want to talk about? You said you made some notes. Is it what else is on there? Okay. So I've been, I follow the Facebook group and just to like, I like hearing what other people are like going through and um, stuff like that. And I've heard a lot about IP complaints and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't understand what is IP complaint. And it seems to be like a normal thing in the reseller's life. Yeah, it is. It's one of those problems. It's an inconvenience at worst. Okay. Okay, So again, I'm going to talk you through kind of the whole bell curve of experiences here, the whole gamut. Over here on the far extreme edge of the story, very few people ever experience this, but it's worth mentioning, is people who over the course of, I'll say it this way, over the course of having taught thousands of people how to run businesses on Amazon over the past 12 years, I'm aware of fewer than five people who have been permanently suspended based on going through our training and our coaching and us helping them. Now there's temporary suspensions. Those happen sometimes and people get their account back and it's all good. That's over 95% of the time if someone gets suspended, it's a few days, maybe a few weeks at the worst, they're back up in action. 
fix whatever the problem was. Of those five people who were permanently suspended, a couple of them ignored multiple IP complaints and did nothing about them. What's an IP complaint? Intellectual property. Let's say that I start selling a widget on Amazon and I'm the product brand owner. It's got my name on it and I don't want anyone else selling it. So I brand registered it and I've gone through all the steps of protecting it. And along comes somebody who found 15 of them on sale at a yard sale, new in the box, and they want to sell them on that same listing. I could either be okay with it or I could make their life miserable because I'm the brand owner and I don't want you selling my product. I want to protect the customer experience. How do I know that they're not going to receive that product with a dented corner, right? Like, I I don't want you reselling it. Good news is somewhere around 80% of all brands could care less on 90% of the products on Amazon. But you will have brands who are very grumpy and don't want you there. The best way to avoid this issue is to watch the Keepa data. And like I talked to you about earlier, if you're noticing several sellers are selling a product, 10, 15 sellers, and then suddenly it drops down to one seller, it creeps back up to three or four sellers, and then back down to one seller. And you look at that one seller's name, which you can see right on Amazon, and it's, you know, let's say it's a littlewhitewidgets.com, and this is a little white widget. Like, yeah. I don't think I'm going to go up against littlewhitewidgets.com and try to sell their little white widget. They don't like sellers. So you resellers. So you avoid that ASIN. You don't sell it, no matter how profitable it is. Maybe you flip them on eBay or something. So avoiding IP complaints is a great rule of thumb. And we spend a significant amount of time in the Proven Amazon course teaching you how to completely avoid them. Good news is there's big sellers. I'm talking, you know, multiple seven-figure sellers doing this business model who deal with a good number of IP complaints every single week where a brand comes along and says, hey, you've been selling this product profitably for a while, but I think we're done with that now. We don't like the way that you're representing our brand. They complain to Amazon. A lot of times when they complain to Amazon, Amazon says right back, sorry, there's nothing we can do. That's a completely legal reseller. You haven't even brand registered your brand with us. We can't help you. Third-party sellers keep doing what they're doing. Quite often though, it is a registered brand. You are asked to get off. There's a complaint. It'll stay on your account for 60 days or you know 180 days, I think, this little complaint. And then it just kind of vanishes and goes away. Sometimes they'll ask you for what's called a plan of action. Like, hey, what are you going to do to prevent ever in the future, selling littlewhitewidgets.com. And you'll write them a little letter and it says, well, I bought a few. I learned my lesson. I will never sell on this ASIN again. Here's my receipt proving that it was a legitimate purchase, but I'm done with that ASIN. I've removed it. And they'll go, okay, that's fine. And that IP complaint will go away over time. 99% of the time, it is an inconvenience. That's the short answer. Okay. But you don't want to ignore it. It's kind of like going to the dentist as part of having teeth. <laughs> yeah. Not fun to talk about. Nobody wants to. Nobody looks forward to it. It's kind of part of having a decent smile, though, is brushing your teeth and going to a dentist every once in a while. Like, okay. And if you do absolutely nothing and ignore it your whole life and never brush, well, yeah, you're going to have some problems. <laughs> it's kind of like that. I've never made that analogy before, but I think it kind of works. <laughs> With a little daily maintenance, a little paying attention to your account health, occasional trip to the dentist, that's like the equivalent of writing a plan of action when they ask for it. Scott yeah. Magolius has a book. He's a great member in our community. The title is Plan of Action, Plans of Action, something like that, Scott Magulius. I'll stick it in the show notes too. But if you ever run into this situation where Amazon's saying, hey, we need you to write up a plan of action so that this doesn't happen again, you're like, what? What are you asking me for right now? That book steps you through, has templates and and okay. uh, how to handle that scenario. And we've got 
an, another great guy in our community. He spoke at our event here recently, Jeff Schick, S-C-H-I-C-K, Jeff Schick. He's a lawyer who's got great contacts at Amazon and he knows how to help sellers with tough situations if you do start to get into like, you know, any of the scarier scenarios. But he works with resellers all the time, has a, a great reputation and he'll tell you the same numbers I just told you. Don't be intimidated by this stuff. Yeah, sometimes you have to send in some paperwork. It's part of it, unfortunately. So there you go. The first time you see an IP complaint, everybody panics and freaks out because they word it in such a scary way. It's kind of like getting a letter from the IRS. It's like, hey, you owe us a certain amount of money. And if you don't send it to us, we're going to take everything you've ever owned in your whole life and your kids and everything you ever think about owning in the future. Like, well, what's really behind this? Oh, we just need $18. Like, okay, here's the $18, please. Like, leave me alone now. Yep, yep, we're good. It's like, you know, it's a scary worded letter, but all bark, no bite is really good. That's the story behind IP complaints 99% of the time. That's good to know. Yeah, hopefully that's helpful to you. And this is, again, with thousands of students going through our courses content and, and posting very openly in our groups. Yeah. about the things they're seeing and going through. So there for a while, it was more serious. They had us a little more nervous than they have us now. It's actually gotten a lot friendlier now than it was, say, four or five years ago. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, that's Again, all my questions. Long answers to short, great questions, but I want to be thorough. Thank you. Well, what else? Did you say that was all your questions? Yeah. Yeah, that's now? all my questions. Yeah. Well, very good. Well, you're doing a great job. You're on a great trajectory. Uh, you're only a few weeks in again, so there's not a whole lot of you know big wins yet. Although I can tell you this, half the battles getting started and getting to the point where you find your first replen and send it in and sell it. Like if you get to that point, that's more than half the battle. You're 90% of the way into the basic skills needed to do this. And you've done that. So kudos to yeah. you. It's just a matter of scaling from here. I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> it's addicting. <laughs> It absolutely is. Yes, it absolutely is. And and one of the things we're addicted to on the leadership team around here is seeing those early victories and those initial wins and hearing the great reports and what becomes possible as a result of the hard work we put into kind of systemizing this thing out, building it out. Yeah, so. I could definitely, I don't think I would have been able to do it without you guys' course. It It lays it out really well and simple for me. <laughs> oh, good. That's great to hear. Well, I'm glad you're stepping through it. Yeah, and it's going to open up all kinds of doors for you. It really will. This initial success will lead to other opportunities on Amazon and off. Yeah. It's biz- building a business is a leadership journey that you've started. And I think you're feeling a little bit of that. It's, it's stretching you in ways that maybe you haven't stretched yourself in a while. And that part of you that's getting stronger is going to be capable of some really fun, interesting, cool things as you continue this journey that the good dwarf the success that you have on Amazon. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. It's it's a skill that I kind of want to stretch. I'm not used to any of it, but it's I it I I'm saying that it's gonna like open the door to making my dreams come true because I eventually my ultimate goal is to foster. I want to foster lots of teenage kids. Oh, um that's so beautiful. This is, I'm really like, this is a big deal for me because I'm hoping this will give me the tools and resources to be able to do that. I can't do it right now, but eventually I'm going to be able to do it. Yes. What a great 
other-oriented goal for you to have. That's fantastic. Yeah, I think just hearing you say that, there's a whole lot of people rooting for you and cheering for you. I mean, we already love single moms and we support them and do our best to encourage them in the battle and the struggle that they have. I'm amazed by that. But the fact that you've got an other-oriented goal on the horizon, wanting to foster why teens. I'm curious, talk me through that if you don't mind sharing that vision. Just to put it into words, I think even helps solidify it in our minds sometimes, right? <laughs> uh, teenagers, I kind of, I've always been drawn to just foster teenagers because I technically wasn't a foster teenager, but I was, I should have been. <laughs> mm. To simply put it, I, I was yeah. out there and I really needed a lot of help when I was a teenager. Yeah. And I want to be there for other teenagers. So it's a special, a special spot in my heart, that stage in life where you're, you're out of your parents and you're entering the big mm-hmm. world, the real world. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of tools and skills that, you know, it's just helpful to know. And I want to be that transitioning for them. I want to help them out and give them a boost and a fresh start and a good start to life. Like what a out. beautiful vision and stated very eloquently. It's obvious you've, you've thought this over quite yes. a bit. <laughs> we have some beautiful foster families in our community. Uh, I'm thinking of one of the coaches in UK, Neil Stevens and, and his wife. Uh, they actually made it over to our, our live event in Louisville here a few weeks ago, but they've fostered multiple kids. I don't even remember how many. It's a ridiculous number. It's the most giving, humble, kind-hearted Aww. people that have just poured into so you might look up Neil Stevens and and okay. then uh, you know we've we've got several others in our community, just great coaches on our team who have fostered and others. And, you know our family's big advocates of adoption. We've internationally adopted three times, so oh, we understand nice. that journey of kind of opening up the love of your family to to others, and is how big of a blessing that ultimately is for you as well. Yes, yeah. very familiar with that. Yep. Uh, what a great vision! God bless you on that, Amanda. That's Thank awesome. You. Thank you. Well, let's make it happen. What do you say? Yes. Let's do it. (laughs) Yeah. You're more than capable. You're in the right community. There's a saying I heard a few years ago, you'll hear it bounced around from time to time in our community now is you can find your purpose once you've found your people. Yeah. I love that. And I hope that we can be part of your people that you need. Now you got to have local friends and people supporting you too, but this virtual community yeah, you're going to feel the love. And I would just encourage folks, you know, send Amanda a little note, a little comment, that even if you're watching this on YouTube, or if you send us a note, we'll make sure and forward it to her of encouraging her on her journey. Uh, you're going to you're going to get a lot of love from this community for what it is you're trying to do. We're here for you. Thank you. That means a lot. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, I appreciate your heart. Well, let me talk to the listeners for just a moment as we wrap this one up. I had a great time today with a kind-hearted, just amazing lady who's doing great things. And I can't wait to see where she is three months, six months, a year from now. She's got a great trajectory. Hopefully you found some of the stuff I shared today with her useful as well. If you've been around a while, we didn't cover a whole lot of new territory. That's fine. Sometimes it's good just to be encouraged and inspired by the new members and, and seeing the journey and remembering where you were and how, how much you've learned along the way. But also I learned some new things today from Amanda. I mean, she's using a repricer on a handful of books and getting results. Who knew? That's beautiful. So there's always something new to learn, even from the newest members. But thank you for spending some time with Amanda and I today. I'm certainly grateful for that. And as you know, we'll have another great interview episode for you very soon. Hey, Amanda, last time, 
really good job. Thank you so much. It is truly an honor to meet you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And, and I'm here. If you reach out and uh, let me know how we can help, how the team can support you. And to all the business building warriors out there listening, it was a pleasure hanging out with you today as well. We'll talk to you again very soon. Hey, before we end the episode, I want to tell you about one of the tools that has been a favorite in this community for a very long time. I would say 95% of the leaders and coaches on our team have used or are actively using right now Rev Seller. Right on the screen in front of you, when you're on Amazon, using it as if you were a shopper, you can see so much information about every ASIN that you're looking at. You can tell if it's going to be profitable for you or not. You can get a nice offer on this tool by going to provenamazoncourse.com slash RevSeller. It's a very aggressive price discount that they have just for this community. You won't find a better price anywhere and it helps you make really good decisions really fast. I use it personally. My team uses it. Next to Keepa itself, this is probably one of the most popular tools among the replin sellers in our community. Again, I'm talking about Rev Seller. You can go to provenamazoncourse.com slash Rev Seller, R-E-V-S-E-L-L-E-R.com and see what we're talking about. We've even integrated this tool into quite a bit of the training that you're going to see if you go through the Proven Amazon course training. We rely on it heavily. Go check it out. Thanks for listening today. We'll have another great episode for you again real soon. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit silentgym.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.